Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Hey y'all, it's Jennifer, your friendly therapist, coming to you from New Beginnings here in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I am just so excited today to share with you a glimpse into the thoughts and feelings and just amazingness of some of our therapists here at New Beginnings. I had the privilege last week to sit down with most of our crew. One of us was missing because she was doing some really important stuff. So Tara, we missed you and we love you. Here's your shout out. Um, And the rest of us had a chance to get together and I got to ask them some questions that um, I had asked on some Facebook posts that I had seen on the internet. And the title of this segment is Things You've Always Wanted to Ask a Therapist But You Were Too Scared to Do. And I'm telling you what, this crew brought it. Oh my gosh, there's laughter, there's some silliness, there's moments of seriousness. And I just cannot tell you enough how much I love these strong, badass women. We are warriors in the fight against sexual assault in our communities. And we are also compassionate and kind and loving human beings. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did in being in fellowship and community via Zoom with my crew. So without further ado, I introduce to you the therapists of New Beginnings. I am so excited to be here with some amazing people today. Um, I get to introduce the listeners to start by listening to some of our amazing therapists at New Beginnings. And today we're going to just have conversations around some questions that people have always wanted to ask a therapist, but I think they might have just been a little too scared to ask. And so I think this is going to be a great opportunity for some learning and some fun times and laughter to occur today. And I think it's going to be great because the listeners to the podcast are going to get a different kind of view of therapists, right? It's going to be more laid back, more casual, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask each of you guys just to introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about who you are, and then hmm, tell me a little bit about what you do at New Beginnings. And I'm going to start with Becky. Welcome to Start By Listening, Becky. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm actually pretty stoked because I think this is a fun and cool thing for all of us to get to do together and to be more casual. um, And I'm really interested to hear some of the questions that we have no idea that you're asking. Um, Isn't that great? 
<laughs> so um, my name is Becky Roby and I'm the clinical coordinator at New Beginnings and I've been there about 10 or 11 years. Um, so in my role, uh, I do a lot of different things, um, but my primary focus is to keep um, the clients and the clinical therapist, um, any questions, um, a lot of the boring stuff, admin, paperwork, uh, but I'm also there for a consult uh, here and there or breaking down the week with the therapist, policies, just, you know, some really snoozy, boring stuff that I, that I tend to like these days mm -hmm. um, because my home life keeps me pretty busy. Um, I've got two little kiddos um, named Rogue and Raiden, uh, three and a half and 18 months. So I'm um, basically running around like a chicken with my head cut off 24 seven, 365 um, with a cool partner by my side who helps me out a lot and is there for support. And he's pretty amazing all on its own, his own. Um, what else? Um, I get asked a lot of questions at work. Um, <laughs> I, I try to know all the answers, but I don't. So uh, I may act like I do, but I don't. Um, so I get to grow in that position too and go find out answers for other people for you guys when you have questions and be that person. Mm -hmm. um, what else to tell you? I love to be active. Um, so playing softball in my spare time. Mm -hmm. um, I love to do yoga, hiking. You'll find me a lot of times if the weather's nice, either on the green belt in town at a local park or in the backyard um, as we have our, our own hugacious swing set there where the kiddos love to play on. Um, I'm a lover of all music mm -hmm. and let me think of any small random tidbits to throw at you while I'm talking about myself. I'm very weird and I embrace that different and strange. Um, you know, a lot of people say that I marched to the old beat of my drum. I've owned the hell out of that ever since I was little um, and embrace it. So yeah. that's a good, a good thing to transition on. I'm weird and strange and different. So if you are guys, own it, rock it and embrace it. Oh my gosh. I could not agree with that more. And Becky, you did a great job of, I think, giving a little bit of window into who you are as a person and um, for you guys, the listeners, just so you know, when I first came to New Beginnings, Becky was my, um, my clinical supervisor for my licensure, and um, I quickly realized that she was the, the yin to my yang, and um, we just have been like two peas in a pod, and she's taught me a lot, and she's amazing, and you know, I just want to ask a quick question on something you said. You said you've been at New Beginnings for 11 years. So you've been working in the field of trauma, specifically sexual assault for 11 years. And girl, you look damn good. Like, how have you managed that stress? How have you managed that level of trauma of hearing? L let people know, like, what's your secret? Um, so you guys can't see me, but I just made the expression of smiley face. Yeah, thanks. So thank you for that compliment. Um, I'm on a point in my life where I'm going to accept that and say thank you very much. Uh, but to also know that um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't always do that. I think mm -hmm. the work 
and the places that I worked at prior to New Beginnings Mm -hmm. um, taught me what not to do. And so when I came to New Beginnings, the culture was different. Just even talking about self-care and taking care of yourself and burnout and trauma, they say is three years. So having um, supportive directors and assistant directors that understand that, give you time and space and recognize it. Um, But then you got to do your own work. You got to do your own stuff. And so... um, being a therapist, I love therapy. So, you know, I told myself, why am I not in therapy? Why am I not working on some of the things that I need to work on? Um, what, regardless if it's history of trauma or just becoming a better, more rounded person, mm-hmm. um, therapy is amazing. So between therapy and yoga, uh, working out, um, communicating, learning how to communicate, let other people know how I feel, um, I'd say in the last five, six years, it's all been focused on what do I need and what do I want and how do I tell people? And then I also expect that back. If you're talking to me, what do you need? What do you want? Um, how, how can I help facilitate that for you? Um, so communication, connection. Oh, uh, I work hard. I play hard. Mm-hmm. So there is that balance there for me. Um, and I think just recognizing that we have to take care of ourselves because I can't do what I want to do at New Beginnings and help other people if I don't. Um, but it's not like when you get it, you have it. It's a constant thing that you have to work on. So especially, you know, during the pandemic and figuring out new ways to cope. Um, oh God, yes. And things that haven't worked <laughs> or that have worked in the past aren't working now. So it's, it's a constant revision. So there's really no one answer to that question. Yeah. Well, I think you answered it beautifully. So, and, and I think that will help out some other people too, as they might have some struggles of, you know, figuring out what's working, what's not working. How do I get back to more centeredness, you know, within ourselves? So yay. All right. Who wants to go next? Who wants to be brave and talk about themselves? All right, go for it, Emily. Okay. Um, well, I am Emily Deal. I am also a therapist at New Beginnings. I'm in the Henderson location. So I work with folks in Henderson Union and Webster County. Um, I have been here for about 10, almost 10 years. I'm coming up on my 10 year anniversary. I was told here in just a couple of weeks, Woo-hoo! 10 wonderful <laughs> years, because I can definitely echo some of what Becky said. I've worked at some other places and the culture here is very much about self-care. So I feel like this last 10 years has been really good for me professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm right now getting ready to get married and get a couple stepchildren in my life. Um, and a lot of my clients might've seen some of my critters popping into the office here and there that I like to bring with, to work with me every once in a while. A couple of my little self-care helpers, um, my naked cat and naked dog. <laughs> that flunked out of being a show dog because he's a little bit spastic, but I love him. Um, Let's see. 
Uh, I also have gone through yoga teacher training, and that's something that I use here at New Beginnings to offer trauma-sensitive yoga to our clients. Um, Since COVID has happened, that's been all online these days, but I have a little yoga studio in the back of my office where I was able to bring folks in and offer classes before. Hopefully, I'll be able to do that again in the near future because I find for me personally, that is one of the biggest things for my own self-care and being able to teach it kind of keeps me accountable and keeps me doing my own practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anything else? Well, I mean, you're just amazing. Yes. I I love too that you brought to um, your clients, you brought to New Beginnings, the trauma-sensitive yoga. I think that is so important. And I think as we all know, there's been research done on the benefits of yoga in helping process trauma out of the body. Um, and so I think that the fact that, you know, our small but mighty organization offers this, I mean, I think that's pretty phenomenal. And I think that's one of the things that I have really appreciated a whole lot about New Beginnings that I don't see in a lot of other places that when we find something that works, that we really enjoy, we are able to go and get more education on that. I mean, I've signed up for more trauma-sensitive yoga trainings and hopefully we'll be able to continue to build on that education and then give back. So hopefully that just keeps on going. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, thank you. (laughs) All right, who's gonna be next? All right, Marcy. Um, I am glad to be here with you guys. Um, I'm Marcy Voris. I am therapist with New Beginnings. I am, I guess I'm the newest therapist still, um, though I've been there for a year and a half um, and it has been the best year and a half of my life. So I can't say good enough, th- enough good things about New Beginnings um, and the lessons that I am learning here. Um, echoing what Becky and Emily both said about self-care and the importance and that's something that you know I didn't necessarily get previously so um, that's been a really good learning experience. Um, Personally um, I'm a mom I've got two kids um, a 16 year old and 11 year old um, starting to go through the stages of Get ready to have a senior next year and um, watching her grow and um, all the feelings that go with that has been um, interesting <laughs> and hard and good. Um, I'm actually married to my high school sweetheart. Um, we celebrate 20 years next month. So, um, that's yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> um, we are avid sports fans. Um, Tennessee Titans and uh, for football and Chicago Cubs for baseball so there's usually some sort of sports game on at my house Um, we like that a lot so um, what else (laughs) oh my gosh let's see let me think back 
Okay, so tell a little story on Marcy. This is a good story. So I remember when Marcy first started at New Beginnings, Becky, you were actually out on maternity leave. And so I was kind of like the... I'm not a supervisor, but like the go-to person. And I remember Marcy, the first time I met you, you had this look on your face of like, oh my God, like what, 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 what? And I was like, Marcy, you're going to love it here. And you're going to love, you remember that conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to yeah. love everybody and it's going to be okay. <laughs> yes. Um, I was, I was in a different place at that time and you know, and you welcomed me with open arms and as did the other therapist. And um, I had to wait a little bit to get to meet Becky, but Becky has been instrumental in helping me grow. And I can't thank her enough for that too. Yeah. You know, I think the, the hallmark. Oh, of- <laughs> yeah. Come on in. Say, oh, <laughs> thanks guys. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I've heard that I'm pretty intimidating um, when you first meet me. So I'm glad I didn't scare you off, Marcy. Jennifer, Jennifer prepared me well for everybody. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> I, of course, I, everybody comes with warnings. We all have our own quirks, right? Everybody has a warning system, warning <laughs> labels, and I let people know what they are, right? <laughs> But I am, I'm super glad, Marcy, that you're a part of our team and you bring a lot of wealth of information from your previous background to us. And um, I think out of all of us, I don't think any of us really follow sports like you do. So I think you really are the sports nut, you know, of the clinical team. Yeah, we love sports, so. (laughs) That's fabulous. That's fabulous. Well, awesome. Yay. Okay, Crystal, you up, girl. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Crystal Newton, and I'm a therapist in Ohio County for New Beginnings. I've been with New Beginnings on and off for 23 years. So um, I was here for 11 years. I actually started as a volunteer, like 97, Mm -hmm. and then I became an employee in 98. I worked until 20, 2009 I went to be a teacher. Um, that's when I was on the board for six years and uh, saw that New Beginnings had an opening and ran as fast as I could and hoped that they would take me back. <laughs> and luckily they did. So I am here. Um, let's see, personally, I am, I have four kids. Um, I've been with my current partner for 10 years and it's been one of the best 10 years of my life. Um, And let's see, oh, I do burlesque, which if anybody knows, it's kind of like a dancing light stripping thing. Um, I I got into it because I wanted to start expressing myself artistically um, and roller derby or not just artistically, but just physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and roller derby was not going to make it. I went to one day of that. I was like, forget <laughs> all that. I was sore before I even got home. Wait a minute. So, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sad that didn't happen because that would have been your number yeah. one fan. I know. I, I didn't know that about you. You did yeah. roller derby. You tried it out. No, oh my God. I went, I went to a one day or I went to <laughs> what's supposed to be one day. It was a bootleg, a bootleg, a boot camp for roller derby. And I knew there'd be 
women in that that kind of shared the same beliefs that I I had because uh, it's kind of weird, quirky, you know, be who you are, that kind of thing. And I went there the first day and it was, I fell so many times. It was so much. And I just got to thinking, I'm getting older. Maybe I got brittle bones. I probably shouldn't do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I met someone who ran a burlesque troupe in Evansville. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of like roller derby, but without getting hurt. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. I just love it. And I do it. In my younger years, I would have done it for male attention, but today I do it for all the women that come to see me um, uh, because I really believe in body neutrality and looking at everybody's bodies the same and loving your body for what it does for you and because it does so many things. And um, the standards of beauty are just that. We don't need to follow those. I don't know. I guess one day I was like, who said fat women ain't cute? (laughs) <laughs> like who said that? Like who made that rule? And I was like, that's dumb. So, <laughs> and I'm cute. So uh, yeah. Um, let me see. I'm learning to be anti-racist every day. That's a, a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, social social ju- justice in mm-hmm. general. I mm-hmm. lean very left, like very left. I I just think as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Um, you should be able to be who you are and that's all I got I'm looking at the because we're on zoom right now because you know COVID we can't all be together in the same room and recording and I see a Star Wars poster oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) Princess Leia yeah I'm a big Star Wars fan I've seen all the Star Wars in the theater Um, I was very young when I saw the first one but yeah I have been into that ever since. Uh, it's it's also renewed with my, I say new husband, but I've been with him for 10 years. Uh, he was also a Star Wars fan and my mm-hmm. ex was not. And so that's renewed a whole new childhood innocence, you know, all about things you like about Star Wars and actually realizing that Star Wars has so many good women um, role mm-hmm. models in it, especially today. Um, so yeah, Star Wars is my, is my jam. Wait, during all that, at any point, did you capitalize on the fact that you make your own costumes and that you can sew and you've made your own outfits and you see Crystal walking into the office and she'll have like, uh, don't you have like some Star Wars outfits or something that you've yeah, made? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I had a, I did a routine um, and I was a stormtrooper that ended up being really with the Rebel Alliance and falling in love with somebody else I don't know yeah um I make my costumes I haven't haven't had a lot of time to practice to make a full costume I Frankenstein things I'll cut a dress in half and make it come off and have the bottom still on you know that kind of thing but yeah I I rhinestone I love rhinestones um yeah all that too I'm just surrounded by just some just amazing people I love it I love it. I hate that COVID has kept us apart physically. You know, I just Mm do. Ah, Stupid COVID. (laughs) Well, so this is awesome because now our listeners have like a little window into personalities and they already know my personality because I've been talking to them this whole season. So we're not going to go there because they know me. I talk about my stuff. Um, How about we dig into some questions? Who's nervous? Me. (laughs) 
I'm excited. I am excited. I'm excited. My palms, my palms are sweaty. I made a bunch of notes. <laughs> I love that. I love maker. And I'm over here on the fly, and I'm not really sure what's going to come out of my mouth. So same. <laughs> and then we got some in between. You know? <laughs> I love it. It's going to be great. Okay, so overwhelmingly, one of the main questions that people want to know, and this came from me doing some Facebook posts, like, what are some questions you've always been too scared to ask your therapist, but you really want to know? This is me doing some research, looking at different Facebook groups, etc. And this overwhelmingly is like the main question, and it made me chuckle. And I'm just, I can't wait to hear your all's answers. The main question that clients, people want to know that go to therapy, does my therapist like me? (laughs) (laughs) I think I've had a client actually ask me that. Really? So you had someone that was just so brave to ask that question. Yeah. Talk about being, putting yourself in an extremely vulnerable scenario. Or had so much anxiety, they had to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that's very. Does my therapist like me? Mm-hmm. I think there's an obvious clinical answer here, and that yeah. would be, you know, um, why is it important to know that know if I like you or not? So, I mean, that was that's my initial reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I also answer, think Marcy. that we are privileged to get to be a part of our client's journey in life. And it is, it it is special for me, for any client that I have that I get to hold space for them. And I think a big part of that too, Marcy, um, when you bring that up, like I feel the same way. Um, In my role, I'm not seeing I'm having a lot of contact with the individuals on the phone, but I'm not seeing clients right now um, mm-hmm. as my job title has um, transitioned. So I don't carry a caseload currently, but there are different aspects of your client too, that you definitely are relatable or you like, or there's the line of, I'll bring this up so we can establish some rapport, but I have to shut it down because we're not friends. We can't be friends. Um, yes. I care for you as a person and I want the best um, for you in your life. Oh man, I really like the Boston Red Sox too. I wish we could sit there and talk about last night's game or, um, uh, I want to know where you got those shoes at. They're really cute. Can you tell me so I can go buy them at target? Like there's different things that come up and you're always walking the line of making a connection. Cause you are connected to this individual, but at the same time, having the professional boundaries, because it's not about me. Um, even though, I may want to ask these questions. I can't, or I want to be connected in this aspect of life, but I can't because it's about therapy and it's about them. It's about their journey, their safety, um, and their prognosis. So it's a great answer, Becky. Yeah. Thanks guys. I'm going to start coming to these podcasts more often. If I get all these compliments left and right, like (laughs) I'm I'm digging it. Becky's going to start her own series. The Rebel series. <laughs> yeah, I will admit that when I was a younger therapist, I would get feelings like that, like dreading a client coming in. But I know now it was because I wasn't confident in 
what I was doing. And so that's why I didn't like them. It had nothing to do with them. It had to do with the skills I had. So as you get later on in therapy, and hopefully your a therapist is working on their, themselves, um, you learn from that and you learn to enjoy every client because everybody's a person, everybody needs help and guidance. And it's, it's, can be fun and, and rewarding to see somebody grow into themselves and um yeah but it's it's not you it's it's the therapist <laughs> yeah I like that and you know I think everything that you all said is beautiful and absolutely on target and you know I think back over the last you know five years that I will have spent with new beginnings um, I generally do. I like everyone that comes through our front door. There's always something to learn. There's always something to cultivate and grow within someone. And, you know, who doesn't like somebody who's trying to live their best life? Yeah. You know, and I, I, so I generally do. I really do. And, and, um, you know, I think that comes through with my warmth and my genuineness of, you know, when I'm with people, whether that's if they're in crisis and it's a crisis session or it's an established client, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's interesting, too, that, you know, many of our clients, they do want to know, do you like me? Now, I have never had a client outright ask me, do you like me? Now, I have had um, littles, like little bitty kids, you know, like young, young ask you know, Miss Jennifer, do you love me? And, you know, I'm like, oh, yes, Miss Jennifer does love you. And let's talk about who else loves you, too. You know, and I wrap it around. Um, but I've never had a client ask me if they like me. And now that I've said that, I bet this is going to happen next week, right? Oh, yeah. You just brought it upon yourself. It's going to happen. prepared now, though. You're prepared. I am prepared. Thanks to you all. Yes, I am prepared. <laughs> all right. That was great answers, y'all. Love it. Okay, here's another question that maybe I think some clients are too afraid to ask, but I'm going to be a daredevil. I'm going to be a rebel and I'm going to say they should be asking this question of us and we need to be honest and answer them correctly. And when I say correctly, I mean, honestly, actually, it's what I mean, that we need to answer them honestly. Um, so people want to know, do therapists go to therapy? Heck Yes. <laughs> Heck yes. Um, I am in therapy, have been in therapy and plan on to plan on continuing therapy for a good long while, even if it's not like on a regular weekly ongoing basis, I have that person who I can go to, to just make sure I'm still doing what I need to be doing. Um, getting ready to start premarital counseling this weekend, just to kind of help build and grow a relationship that's already going really well. So I really feel, I mean, I'm a little bit biased as a therapist about that, obviously. Um, I think the therapy is fabulous and wonderful. Um, I do think that a therapist needs to go to someone with a lot of experience. I like the fact that my therapist has a pretty good bullshit detector. Um, so that if I'm avoiding something or dodging something, he's pretty good about, Emily, are you sure about this or that other thing and can call me out on my stuff? Um, 
But I think anybody, and that's something that's really been emphasized to me in my own work, anybody who's in a helping profession, anybody who's who's working with people in the ways that we are working with people, you really need to be doing your own work because just as some other folks have already brought up, if there's something that's coming up in us when we're working with clients, it probably has absolutely nothing to do with that client themselves. It's all about our own stuff. Um, And that is absolutely bound to come up. We all have stuff. And if we're not working on it, somebody's going to come around and trigger it when we're least expecting it. And we don't want our issues to cause problems for other people. So absolutely. I'm a big fan of therapy, plan to continue that. And I hope that everybody who's working in this type of role with other people I hope that they feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I will also say like, you know, um, we all do EMDR um, and I'm the newest one to EMDR. And as a way, like when my clients and I, when we start working on this and then they're nervous about that, you know, I can say, hey, I know I've been there, you know, and this may happen, you know, not... I mean, very generalized, but just to let them know, you know, I'm not going to be having you do anything that I'm not willing to do myself mm-hmm. or haven't done myself. I think that's important because, you know, we're sometimes, a lot of times looked at as these experts, but you got to know that you, I, th- I feel like you have to go through this stuff to be in this role. So mm-hmm. I think it would be, um, great if people ask that question like mm-hmm. they should be interviewing us like are you the mm-hmm. therapist for me can I trust you with my stuff um mm-hmm. yeah so Personally, if they yeah. asked yeah if they asked I would say you know what um I have had my own journey and I think therapy is important for many reasons um and I would be able to answer that because there's no shame in that game I'm more like yelling it from the rooftops like I went to therapy therapy (laughs) Uh you should try it too it's awesome um but it should be more in a conversation and I'm with you Marcy when I'm when I have been in the past working with clients I'll make comments like that this is I experienced this sensation or um I can understand how there's feelings of being overwhelmed. So I'll normalize certain things. And then they'll say, you've done some work with EMDR. And I'll say, and I'm hoping, and I'm hoping they ask that question. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, yes, I have. So um, there is no right or wrong way, you know, when you're explaining that work and and working with EMDR and that tool and that toolkit that we carry when we're in therapy with our clients. So yes, 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 yes. I think people need to know that we practice what we preach. We're not yeah. here saying yeah. all this stuff, spewing out these words that we don't really mean or live by. How hypocritical would that be, huh? Yeah. Well, and I think Personally. what's also cool is I'm so sorry, Crystal. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll shut up after this. Um, I think what's also cool is that we as a group of clinicians together at new beginnings we totally support each other in our own journeys in therapies you know um i i could say to any one of these ladies hey i went to therapy today and learned this and they would be cheering from the rooftops for me you know and i think that that's 
that helps being here that we're all super supportive of each other in their, our journeys too. Okay, Crystal, I'm done. I just went, if I went to a therapist and they said they'd never been to therapy, I just would not go. Um, I do have a friend right now who interviewed three therapists. She's very thorough on everything. So this didn't surprise me, but she really did. She called three therapists. She asked them questions and she had a connection with one and went with that one. And I was like, wow, that's great. Oh, I love that. that too I do feel like I just want to throw out there for anyone who might be listening just just in case there's curiosity about this though depending on the questions you're asking you might not get all of the answers there's a lot of personal information that a therapist is really unlikely to share and shouldn't for good reason but whether or not I go to therapy or not, absolutely. I will, I will let someone know that I'm not going to tell them specifically what for, or, or any of the, those details, because it's not about me, but, um, but the fact that I go, I'm, I'm absolutely all about that. That's perfectly fine. And to let you guys in on a small secret that I know I did when I went to therapy, I am seeing what that therapist does and immediately in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to use that technique when I'm in session. Holla. Yes. And then it's like my skill set got even stronger because I was like, oh my God, I really like that exercise that my therapist did with Mm -hmm. me today. Or "Mm, that question that she asked, that is spot on. Like I could so use that with somebody. So then we're just, we're just, you know, borrowing a lot of their techniques and we're just becoming even stronger clinicians at that point. Yeah. I think that was a really like, bonus part of therapy that I didn't even think about when I was going into it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I'm going to second that Becky. That's so true. And this is a question I have actually had one client ask me one client has asked me, and this was a longstanding client. And they said, Jennifer, have you ever been to therapy? And I mean, we are well into our rapport building. And I was like, you know, that's really interesting question. I have never had a client ask me that. And the answer is absolutely yes. I have definitely been to therapy um, and worked on my stuff. And I said, just like every human being in this whole wide world, I said, I've had traumas in my life, just like everybody. And I, I just really normalized that for them. And um, I will also say that I remember this is a couple of years ago, my client did a technique, my client good Lord, my therapist did a technique that I had never been exposed to, right? And I was like, that is the coolest shit I have ever heard. That is the coolest shit that I have ever experienced. Oh my God, I can't wait to use that with somebody who needs it. And then in a few weeks, the opportunity presented itself and the client was like, that is the coolest shit that has ever happened. I said, I know, right? You know, I didn't disclose, you know, that I was going there. They, but they're like, gosh, Jennifer, that was just so wonderful. And thank you. I'm like, oh, you're welcome. And I'm like, I can't take the credit, but yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, you know, I, I definitely think we need to, um, just like you were talking about, Crystal, we need to interview people um, as consumers. And, you know, sometimes people do that with doctors. Sometimes people do that with lawyers, whatever, but I think we need to normalize that it's okay to call up and talk to a therapist and just go beyond a website and a bio that you see and just ask some questions about who they are as a person. So yeah, I like that. 
Okay, I'm looking at my list of questions. Let's see. Hmm. Does everything really go back to childhood? Mm, that's a good one. I wish, uh, so I'm muted in between times when Jennifer asks questions. So you're completely missing all of my um, vocal tics, um, sound effects, or giggles. <sighs> I know. It's a tough question. Emily, you were gone for, I don't know if you heard me, but I, the question is, does everything really go back to childhood? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, everything? I mean, a lot of it. I mean, that's the basis of how we're formed as human beings. Um, we view how to communicate with others. How do we express love? Uh, how do we ask for things we want and need? Do we get our basic needs met? I mean, this is a big bulk of who we are as people. <sighs> Where so, you learn coping, positive or yeah. negative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like in some ways, yes, things do all tie back to childhood. That doesn't necessarily mean every issue that we're working with is primarily in childhood. There's just parts of it that are likely to go back because that's who we are and how we got to be who we are. Um, but some of it, I mean, with some clients, I spent a great deal of time working on childhood stuff. And with some, we just kind of touch on it here and there. Well, and when we're talking in therapy too, when we're bringing up current things and, you know, we do this with the EMDR too, where we're like, well, when's the last time you felt that way? Oh, oh, last year. When's, what about the time before that? Oh, 10 years ago. What about the time before that? Oh, you were a teenager. What about the time before? Oh, you were a child. So um, the awareness level too of the things that are happening currently and how we're responding or reacting to it, you do some digging. I'm with you, Emily. Not everything, but I'm going to say a big chunk of it yeah. is. I think especially um, if you've had trauma in your childhood, it's going to, as an adult, it's probably going to be related somehow. Um, mm -hmm. Same patterns. Um, well, and yeah, and having parents who have an ineffective parenting styles, um, and I think that's kind of common um it can cause developmental trauma and it's like we're not we're not saying that's a bad thing but it, it is thing like it's not trying to demonize anybody but it, it's it is a fact that sometimes the way we react to people hurts them and uh causes maybe sometimes deeper things than you ever even realize so it's fascinating to me though the whole learning where you came from and why you do the things you do today. Mm -hmm. But I think that really, that's a good point to make because even mm -hmm. though we're, we're getting into, digging into childhood stuff, it's not because necessarily of what happened then, it's because of how it's affecting you right now, yeah. in this present moment. We're not yeah. going way back when just because we want to dig into what happened when you were five. It's, you know, for very specific reasons because of how this mm -hmm. is coming up right now in your life. Yeah. Um, so can it tie back most of the time? I think, yes, it can, but it's, we're only doing that because it's coming up right now. Because we want to torture you. Yeah. 
obviously. I want to get it at the source. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. You know, um, I, you know, I've had people say before, will I ever leave your office and not be crying? And I'm like, I don't know, but you know, um, what I do know is that when we are in a place of sadness or grief or anger, that's some really strong emotions that are moving through that healing process. And I said, I think tears can be really great, (laughs) you know, um, and they're very healing. Um, and you know, Emily and I, we, uh, last summer, boy, we went through, uh, humdinger of a training, the NARM, the neuroaffective relational model. And I spent a whole podcast talking about that in EMDR. Um, and that, that training was really just such an aha moment about words that are said during childhood actions that happen to us as children. It just really gets encoded in our brains and it, through no fault of ours, um, it's just things that happen to us and depending on the age and the severity of whatever that trauma is, it does tend to show up as patterns in our adult lives. And you're, you're, you're right on the money when you said, you know, people aren't coming into therapy because necessarily of what happened to them at age five, they're coming into how that is affecting them now as an adult or a teenager, you know, and it's like, something's not right. This is just, I got to work on this. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, y'all got some great answers. What do you think about these questions so far? I like them. I'm like, why haven't we done this before? Just in a general setting, just, you know, around a a table at work. Cause um, this is oddly um, fulfilling and entertaining at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it. I know. I like it too. Of course, I've always liked asking people questions. Hello, I'm a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is more of a, on a serious note. And, um, you know, and again, I'm just going to remind people that the way we answer a question, it is not the end all be all answer. It is just our perspective of, gosh, our, let's say there's five of us. I'm going to say at least in social work, therapy fields, we've got a collective wisdom here of at least 70 years put together, all of us, if not more. But this is a question that actually I made a Facebook post and somebody wanted to know generally, um, will you report me to CPS, which we call Child Protective Services or Department for Community-Based Services here in Kentucky, if I tell you what's really going on in my brain? And I was like, you know, wow, that's a really deep and loaded question. And I'm not asking us to get deep, deep, deep. I'm just asking us to kind of touch on from your all's perspectives to unpack a little bit about what would warrant a report maybe to DCBS if a family is going through a really difficult time or if they do really share some of the the real concerns that they're happening in their life. So, you know me, I don't like to follow directions. So um, (laughs) when you say that, I think more like if someone's having thoughts to kill themselves, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that is 
one of the concerns that people will come in and, and mm-hmm. when I'm working with a client who, when I'm just going over mandatory reporting laws, I'll actually talk about how, um, if you're having thoughts and feelings to kill yourself, I want to talk about it. My first response isn't going to be for you to be um, in an inpatient psychiatric hospital. My number one goal is for us to keep you safe and out of the hospital. Um, and we work on a lot of things to prevent that. And that's okay if you do need to go to the psychiatric hospital to work on some things to become um, stable. But there's also this fear they don't want to go, right? Um, and so we build upon that. Well, let's talk about what things do we need to do to take care of ourselves and to be safe. Um, and, you know, we all have our um, trauma safety plans, that trauma-informed safety plans that we do with our clients. But I feel like that one comes up more so if someone even says the word suicide, they're afraid that we're, we're going to put them in a psych ward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's really the opposite. And, and, it, and I do feel bad for if there are healthcare professionals who have immediately done that without exploring, asking questions, um, really diving into the important questions that you need to ask to see if someone is a harm to themselves. Um, so I like how you asked that question, Jennifer. And then I was like, no, thanks. I want to answer a different question. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Go rogue, go rogue. And again, <laughs> you can go anywhere with these questions. Sorry if I didn't give that, but these are just general. So go wherever you want to go with them. I want to echo what Becky said. When I, I do the same thing, when I'm going over mandatory reporting, I actually say, you know, if you are having thoughts to kill yourself, then talk to me and let's have a conversation and let's see what, where we need to do, what steps we need to take. It doesn't mean I'm automatically going to go and try to get you impatient. Um, I, I just go ahead and expel that fear right at the beginning. Um, you know, it's, it's not always, it's like Becky said, you know, our goal is to keep you out and to keep you safe. So, you know, and I try to really focus on, you know, this is just safety, you know, how can we keep you safe? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the original question and, um, you know, I, I think one of the things I say in when I discuss mandatory reporting, I say, you know, if there's active abuse going on right now in the home, that's something, um, or if, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves, you know, disclose things through working that we do have to report if there has been abuse. So, you know, I try to be very upfront about that piece of mandatory reporting, um, but I would like the opportunity to discuss that with my client, you know, and not just have to, I would never want them to feel like, well, I don't, I'm too scared to tell you this because you're automatically going to do something. I would like to be able to have that conversation. Yeah. And that's really important, Marcy, you know, to have that conversation, right? So that you can process those thoughts and feelings with your client about, you know, how is this going to feel if, um, a social worker from the state shows up at your school or calls you on your cell phone, right? To get more information, to speak with you. You know, um, I like that approach very much. And that's the approach I use as well. Mm-hmm. 
So when you ask that question, are you thinking about the client being an adult and having children? Or are you thinking about the client being a child? Oh, and see, that can change for either, can't it? Yeah, it can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, because an adult may be like, if I tell the therapist that I just whopped the hell out of my child's rear end when he threw a block at his brother yesterday, uh, am I going to have social workers at my door? Um, so, you know, we, we know that there's different approaches for consequences for kids. Um, but if you're leaving bruises on your child and bruises on your child consistently, yes, that would be something that I would need to report. Um, if you're not taking care of your child and they're sleeping in the doghouse in your backyard, um, and you're not providing food and shelter for them. Yes, I'm going to have to report that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's different things to think of. Mm -hmm. In what aspect is, is it a kid? That's, and do the kids have these thoughts too? Heck yeah, they do. Um, I may tell you about the things I don't like that's happening in my home, but I don't want to leave it because that's my home. And so being um, worried or afraid to tell us certain things that we may have to make that report. Yeah. yeah. But in contrast to that, if you have a fully functioning adult who is in a relationship that may be not the greatest, um, they do get choice for themselves about what they want to do. Um, they are able to disclose those things. And as long as it's not a vulnerable person who's incapable of caring for themselves, they're able to share those things and have the choice for themselves of whether they want it reported or not. Um, and there's no judgment with that. I think that each one of us um, respects that each individual can choose for themselves as long as they are legally able to do that. Um, and they'll make the choice that's best for them in that moment. Um, that might change over time. You know, we know through our work that if there is an abusive relationship or something like that, that it usually takes quite a while for folks to end that relationship. And we don't want to isolate them. We don't want to be another hurdle that they have to jump over or avoid um, as they're trying to navigate their situation. We want them to be able to talk openly and share what's going on without being worried about what we're going to do. Um, so that way we can really help them navigate that situation the best way possible. Then it goes even deeper. I think about um, interpersonal violence. If you're in a relationship, you know, and how you handle that relationship and how you guys express yourself, that's going to be on your time and what you feel like is best if you stay in that relationship, but you bring a vulnerable population population into witnessing that I have to make a report. Mm -hmm. um, you like to have some, um, a toke on a joint on the weekends. And if that's your choice and what you do in your spare time is your choice, but it, the moment it impacts a child. Um, and I say that without, I'm telling you, these are the things that, that happen in therapy. You know, if your, your client discloses to you, I like to smoke some pot, you know, and you talk about the pros and cons and it's their choice, which we all know too, to a certain degree, you can't process your trauma and you can't come into my office um, where there's, there are guidelines. Um, hi, because we can't process. Or if we process and then you go home and you smoke a joint, that's basically undoing all of the work that we did in that session. Um, and so that is also a different conversation when people think about, do I disclose that to my therapist or not? That's scary. 
uh, will they turn me into the police? Um, no, I'm not going to turn you into the police because that's your choice. And what you do in your spare time is up to you. Now, does it have an impact on your life? And are we going to talk about the pros and cons of therapy? Yes. But then the moment you put a child witnessing you using drugs um, that are illegal, um, and in some states, marijuana is not, that it, it is legal, but in, you know, in Kentucky right now, it's not. Um, and you are operating a vehicle or you're exposing them to those substances, then it becomes reportable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, your so, questions have so many layers of depth to them, Jennifer. I know. And I, again, can't take credit for the questions because I'm through talking and looking and I mean, people, they're just, you know, it's that nervous system. Some, I wouldn't say some, I'd say many, many of us are just too scared to ask certain things because we're afraid the answer is going to be something that's going to be a negative consequence, right? And so part of this question, what I like about it is we're kind of bringing light into darkness and we're kind of dispelling some fears or dispelling maybe some anxiety that maybe whoever's listening might then have the courage to go and ask their therapist questions you know like I know like I have heard many times already in the past hour just talking with you all mandatory reporting and I talk with my clients about mandatory reporting and you know I would hope that all therapists do that as part of their intake as part of ongoing but I don't know I know we do because that is who we are you know but um I really hope that this might allow some people to be not so afraid to go and say to their therapist, you know, I'm really struggling right now with my depression and I'm really having some thoughts about maybe just not wanting to exist anymore. You know, I mean, if we can just bring some light, especially during COVID, during this stupid pandemic that has killed, you know, God, upwards of over millions of people worldwide and isolated people and nervous systems, you know, it's okay to be not okay. Um, and so I like how these questions do have so much depth and I love how you all interpret them in your own way. And that gives a unique answer. Yeah. Any final thoughts on that question? I'm telling you, these people are amazing that came up with this. This was also, this goes along with the, um, I'm looking at my list over here because I have to be choosy because of our time, but um, this goes along with, does my client like me? And then, and no, does my therapist like me? Sorry. Um, a lot of people want to know, do you have favorites as a as a therapist? Do you have favorite clients? And I, when I think back, I don't know if I've had a client ask me that, but I have had other professionals. So I, if we can kind of gear this to some professionals as well, whoever wants to tackle that part of it, because uh, I've had some therapists kind of go, do you have favorites? Like, it, it's a secret. Like, can I even ask you that question? I feel like that depends on the day. Like, and depends on what we're doing. Like I have session, particular sessions that I get really excited about because I'm like, oh, I know this is going to be a really good one. But um, I think that just across the board, favorites 
I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I am human and I have people that I click really well with and people that I click maybe a little bit less with. But for me, I really think it's like more based on specifically what's going on um, and what we're going to be doing that particular week. So it could change. Like, even if I have a favorite, it's more like a favorite of the week rather than a favorite, favorite across the board. Um, yeah. Awesome. Who else wants to jump in on this one? I'm not a fan of this question. <laughs> How did I know that? Oh, <laughs> uh, but and you've got so many individuals that come in with they're ready to work. Mm. Then you got people that come in. I call it the ready, not ready. Mm. I'm ready to um, move forward, but I'm. I'm not ready to talk about all this stuff. It's scary, right? Um, you've got people who are willingly ready to, to do all the self-health workbooks and every homework assignment you may give. And then you have individuals that are bucking at you and they want to know, can I really trust you? And, um, and I always look at the cases um, and Jennifer knows, cause I will say this to her and have when we were doing supervision is the individuals that come to therapy and they present many unique and challenging um, barriers to service or lack of support systems. Those are the clients where I'm like, I am going to learn something new. I'm going to learn something new and it's going to suck, but it's also going to be really awesome because if we think about it, when we first start off in therapy, I'm always like, man, I really felt bad for those clients. Like I did the best I could in that moment, but <laughs> you know, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years later, I've, I've got a lot of wisdom and knowledge that I didn't have them, but then I did the best I could, but now I can do better and I do better. Um, and it's those clients along the way that have really helped pave that path for me. Um, because things aren't all, they're not, it, it's not easy. Therapy isn't easy. We don't um, have cookie cutters here. This is not how it works. And so when you say favorites, I think people think of like sunshine and unicorns and great. And, um, but therapy is rough and it sucks and it's hard. Mm -hmm. um, and so I tend to think more of the balance between other certain aspects um, that I like if I give you a homework assignment and you're like, absolutely. And you bring it back. Yay. Like, I'm not going to work harder than you. This is good. Um, there's no favorites. Any, any, even on the very end of the spectrum, the more complex um, cases are the ones that really make me excited because I know I'm going to learn something too in this process. And I'm going to do everything that I can to comprehensively um, provide you services the best way that I can. Uh, mm. But yeah, not not fan, no no faves. Experiences, yes. Not your favorite people. Question. Not my favorite question on who <laughs> if we have favorite clients. <laughs> well, again, I guess they're so cheesy. <laughs> well, I like it. Your nervous system was kind of like, I don't like that question. It's, and you know, the question itself is like a black and white question. It's a very concrete, you know, because people could look at it and go, a yes, no. And then there are people like, maybe. And then there might be like, 
Favorite? What does that word even entail? There are so many complex definitions about favorite. You know, it can just go everywhere. So yeah, I love yeah. that. All of our clients bring their own uniqueness to therapy. And it's it's funny because Becky actually told me the, the lesson of, um, you know, you're going to learn something and you're really, you know, in a more complex um, situations. Um, but I think that every one of our clients teaches us a little and they all make us a better therapist. So I don't think it, I don't think I could ever pick a favorite. I think like Emily said, a moment like, you know, when there's been a milestone hit or, you know, when um, a light bulb goes off. Yeah. Or when some really good things happened in, in the justice system with, with our clients, those are the, those are the favorite moments, but I don't think that, I don't think any of us would have a favorite person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a really fair representation. Um, I will say this, as a, I'm not going to say as a clinician, because I've only been really a clinician for the last five years, but I've been a social worker, generalized practice for like over 20. Um, and there was a time span where I spent about 10 years as a nurse. And so I worked in an ICU and I will say that I did have a favorite population of individuals that I worked with as a nurse in the ICU. And most people were like, I would never want that. I would never want to do that or like that. And my favorite population was working with um, individuals who were at end of life. And so working with individuals going into hospice care. And those were my favorite clients to work with in the ICU. And I just loved being able to have those conversations with them and being able to witness um, a transformation, you know, and as a nurse, I was exposed to many, many um, deaths of clients over those 10 years. Um, And there were many of those clients whose passing was just the most beautiful thing I had ever witnessed. And so like in that respect, as a social worker, and I'm taking that out, I did have a favorite population. And it was it was a dual role. I was the social worker and I was a nurse in the in a case management role for the ICU. And um, those were some of my favorite, favorite families, people, and moments. So it's like all three encompassing. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's an interesting question though. I like that. Let's see. I'm also being cognizant of our time because we have probably about 15 minutes left. I want to talk to you all for hours. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to give you guys the option. Would you like to end our questions? Would you like a lighthearted question or would you like a serious question? <laughs> Crystal's struggling to show like, I don't know. Emily's like, I don't know. For specifics. <laughs> For specific. What else do you want? Lighthearted okay. or serious? If when you read the questions, which yeah. one do you relate with being in therapy that like 
you look at it and you go, oh man, I wondered about this to my therapist or, oh, I probably, um, yeah, pick the one that you feel like if, if the roles were reversed and you, and we have been, cause we've all been the client yeah, or are so, a client. So my nervous system went straight to this question when you said that. It's a good answer, Becky. Um, will I ever feel better? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I remember asking my own therapist that question many years ago. I, what you, what came to mind immediately when you said that was my therapist telling me, I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but this is going to take you to such a better place than you've been before. Like, and me just being so far away from that, like I believed him, but I was so far away from that, that I was like, okay, yeah, right. You're so full of shit right now. Um, but it was true. It mm-hmm. was true. Um, some of the hardest struggles in our lives, like if we are really getting serious about them and really working actively to address those things, absolutely, yes, it will get better. Now, when, who the hell knows? Um, there is not a timeline. We don't, we don't get the joy of, of being able to predict the future <laughs> way or knowing how many more hurdles life is going to throw at us before we get there. But yes. Yes. I also like to know the question. Cause you know, the therapist in me is like, well, when you say feel better, what do you mean? Oh yeah. Cause I want to know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For you. Mm-hmm. And is it realistic? Um, and that sounds kind of strange, realistic, like, I, am I never going to struggle again? Yeah. I want to never be sad ever again. I always want to be happy. <clears throat> yeah. We wish, but not going to happen. So I think a part of that too is clarifying. Um, and then knowing, yes, if you want to do the work and your game, um, you're going to feel better. Yeah. And you know, you've had those clients I have that sit on your couch and we're an amazing agency. Um, but I'd say we've got a lot more recognition and community partners and individuals spreading the word in the last five to seven years um, where they've been in therapy a while. And then it's almost like someone sends them, like someone refers them to us as a quote unquote last resort. Mm-hmm. Um but really, we, you know, we specialize in working in, in sexual assault and trauma. So um, we should be the first resort, right? So they're sitting on the couch and they're going, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Feeling, You're my last hope. Feeling completely yeah. defeated and hopeless at that point. Yes. And then it's like, can you, you know, and, and, and we all know too, a big part of your prognosis is, do you have hope that it can get better? Mm. Um, do yes. you think it can get better? But at this point, when you've already went through 80 zillion therapists and you've done all this community work and I'm doing everything that everyone asked, but you're not really using, or it could be they just didn't meet the right person, connect with the right therapist or have the right modalities that works for them. Um, but I do feel like that I've been in that position a lot where they literally sit on our couch as the last resort. Yeah. And, and I'll, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Emily. I, 
Sorry. Um, I was just going to throw out there something that I think we all probably spend a bit of time talking about with clients is the fact that we are not, as humans, we can't selectively numb. So when we look at that expectation that they have for their future or what they're really going for, we, if we're doing well in our lives, that does not mean we are always happy. Um, we can't only feel good feelings. If we're doing good, we're either, we're either feeling all of the feelings or none of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're feeling good and sometimes you get frustrated or angry or sad or to whatever degree, we have to be aware that that is normal too. That's part of the human experience. Part of living your life, going about your day-to-day is going to include those parts too that are much less fun and enjoyable. Um, So getting a good idea of what their real expectations are Mm -hmm. is important in that, in answering that question too, I think. And sometimes knowing, is there some medication management that can handhold through this process when we're doing um, treatment? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways to explore, but the goal would be, yes, you will feel better. Yeah. And then like Emily said, there is no timeline and it could be moments of feeling better that then turns into longer spans of feeling better. Um, Usually I think what I find with people is that they don't recognize the progress that they've achieved mm-hmm. until like something happens and somebody asks them like well when was the last time that you had a panic attack or when was the last time that you couldn't get out of bed and they're like well shit I guess it, <laughs> I guess it has been a while um yeah. you know they have to actually think about it and it sneaks up on people when that change actually happens it's not like there's a neon flashing sign above your bed one day when you wake up saying you're better today um it just is a process that happens really gradually over time and you look back and you're like oh dang I haven't I haven't been in that headspace for a minute now Mm -hmm. well and I have to say my nervous system had a initial response when you asked this question a little bit of cringy (laughs) Um, you know I think that it's a journey and I think the more that we understand that we're on a journey and some days we are going to strive and some days we're just going to exist and some days we're going to struggle. And I think that's another thing as a therapist that I try to be very real with my clients about if there's no, there's, there is this hope for much, much better than where you're at right now. But even when you get there, there's still going to be rough patches and, you know, creating that, more realistic thought of how things are going to be. You know, like I said, um, the last year to year and a half, as you all know, with my ADHD brain, like I dive down the rabbit holes of different things and I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. But really in learning about the polyvagal theory and learning about the vagus nerve and learning about, the parasympathetic nervous system response and the sympathetic nervous system response, which on my other podcast, I've talked with uh, everybody about polyvagal and SSP and you guys out there listening, if you don't go listen to my other one and it'll explain all that as well. I don't want to take that time today, 
But what I do want to take the time is, is talking about, I now really explain to my clients that the way the body, when we go internal, begins to feel better is when our nervous system feels safe, when our nervous system feels secure. And I give lots of examples about things that show up in everyday life that are tigers or lions you know, that used to chase around people thousands of years ago, right? And so I talk about like your cell phone is a tiger. Your email is a tiger. Your work is a tiger. Sometimes your relationships with people are tigers. And so your nervous system is constantly just being stressed out. And if your nervous system doesn't feel safe, then your body can't relax. And if your body can't relax, then your body's not going to feel free and secure enough to be able to um, sit with all those feelings that Emily was talking about. So I, I know you all do this too, but this is the thing that I think that really kind of sets the mood for um, good therapists and phenomenal therapists. And I talk about this with my students at WKU as well. And I say, a good therapist can do some good work, but a phenomenal therapist or a phenomenal social worker, case manager, whatever, those are the individuals who do their own personal trauma work. And those are the individuals who educate clients and normalize thoughts, feelings, and behaviors when appropriate. And I think that's where, as an agency, we really do excel because so much of what we do is education, right? And I think that is so important. And I tie that in, you will begin to feel better when you're using your coping skills, when you're saying those kind, loving, compassionate thoughts, words, and phrases to yourself, and when you're really sitting with and allowing your vagus nerve to be able to move in and out of stress. Because a lot of times, well, I'd say everybody in the whole wide world right now, our vagus nerve is like stuck because of COVID. We're, we've been stressed out for over a year. We might not think we are, but our nervous system is. Um, so that's when, and you know, I'm sure you all have had these moments too. After I do lots of education about polyvagal, we go through all those amazing coping skills, especially the deep breathing, the sensing in, you know, grounding. Suddenly people come back in the office and you see a change on their face and you're like, whoa, hey, I noticed something different today. You look very hmm, relaxed and they just kind of melt into your chair and they'll be like, oh, I feel good. Oh, well, tell me about that, you know? Um, so that's, that's how I kind of worked that in. And, and, you know, Becky, I'm going to piggyback off what you said, you know, people have to be willing to do the work and therapy is hard. And I, I want to add to that too, that they have to be mindful of the fact that the work is never done. Yes. Finished. You're yes. never to this place where you don't need to work anymore. That's not, nope, sorry guys. I really hate to be the Debbie Downer here, but that is not realistic. If you think there's going to be a day you wake up and you don't have to work anymore, um, you were, sorry, it's not going to happen. Um, you got to keep doing it. You got to keep putting mm -hmm. in the work, take, mm -hmm. take, take care of yourself and addressing things as it comes up or yes, it sneak up and bite you in the ass. 
Um, oh, so true. So true. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to take this opportunity to tell Marcy, Crystal, Becky, and Emily, thank you all so much. Thank you. For Thanks being for the a, invite. Yeah. For being a part of this amazing podcast. And next season, I'm still working it out, but I'm going to bring y'all back. Okay. So we're going to do some more fun things, but I want to end on a really fun note. And so this is something, because y'all know, I am a Brene Brown fanatic, right? Like I should just have her name tattooed like on my arm with a heart on it or something. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love that woman. She doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be my mentor one day. (laughs) (laughs) Brene, if you're listening, call me. Um, But no, anyway, so we're going to do, and I just call this fast response. And I've just got three questions. And it's just, boom, first thing you think of, okay? All right, and so I'm going to ask each of you individually those three questions so you can do your rapid response, okay? This is, Emily's already shaking her head like, oh my God, I wish y'all could Do we all have three different questions? No, they're all the same. I love this part when Brene does this in her podcast. Right? So I'm totally pilfering this from Brene, but I'm not asking you 10, I'm asking you three. Okay, so I'm going to start with Marcy. All right, Marcy, turn your microphone on. Here we go. Favorite cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Favorite superhero? Batman. (laughs) I don't know. I don't watch superheroes. And what is your favorite coping skill that you use daily? listening to either a podcast a book or music awesome okay crystal you're up favorite cereal oh gosh a little lucky charms favorite superhero wonder woman favorite coping (laughs) skill that you use daily um fighting off negative thoughts (laughs) awesome okay becky favorite cereal I don't really eat cereal, but okay. if I have to pick a favorite, it's going to be O's. Do y'all remember the O's? My grandmother used to keep it and her, and it, they were crunchy and delicious. And then if you eat them too much, like your palate gets worn down, but it's amazing. Like the roof of your mouth. I mean, um, O's. it was, it was O's. Girl, you yeah. are my soul sister. I miss those so much. I knew I loved you more than just because. Okay. Favorite superhero. Uh, um, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Favorite coping tool you use daily? Breathing and breath with intentional focus and awareness in the body, slowing it down, speeding it up, exhales longer than my inhales and playing around with breath work is probably the most consistent coping skill that I use. Awesome. Okay, Emily, favorite cereal? I was going to say Lucky Charms, but I'll be different and say life. Favorite superhero? Aquaman. Favorite coping <laughs> skill that you use daily? Um, breathing. And I, I mean, breathing, I probably use the most, all the things Becky said. And then just mindfulness practice using my senses, like hearing, sight, um, body sensations. Awesome. Thank you all so much. I have totally enjoyed this time with you. You are amazing. And uh, I think that whoever's listening is going to love it too.
So Yay. you guys rock. Thank you. Thank Peace you. out, lady. Peace out, folks. Well, it's Jennifer here again, a.k.a. your friendly therapist here at New Beginnings. And we have come to the end of um, this moment together. And I really hope that you enjoyed listening to all of these amazing, strong, badass women here at New Beginnings as much as I enjoyed being with them. And I hope you learned something. I know I did. And as you know, I appreciate each and every one of you for taking time out of your busy day to, to sit in and to listen. That's how we change the world as we start by listening. So until next time, see y'all. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwilde.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.